Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Welcome, Kathy Brocker. Thanks, Sherry. Good to be here. Yeah, and it's funny because some of my Zoom calls are across the world, like Paris and England, and we are in the, not even on the same same coast, because I do talk to some LA Vegas people, but we're actually within the same state, but I think we might be like 20 minutes away from each other. We're across the lake, I think. Yeah. We are, right? Yeah, and it's funny (laughs) because I had no idea that you were here. And we'll talk about how we connect. And then there's Kevin Cashmore. I don't know that you worked with him. He was in Hello Hollywood. He's 20 minutes from me this whole time until social media. We have people around us that we may have never known. There's fellow bluebells in the, in the land that we live. It is good. And one I would love to try to find, if we can find anybody that knows Darlene Strange, I believe she ended up up here. And she oh, really? I worked with in, at the Lido. And I would love to reconnect with her after the decades. This is what's fun is sometimes when an interview comes out, we post pictures, somebody will see someone go, oh, there you are. And then they reconnect and friendships start up again. And so our connection is I have a studio in Seattle and some of my teachers teach also in Issaquah. And you, you've been taking, are you taking jazz and tap? I am taking jazz and tap after um, decades of sitting around and doing other things. Um, The pandemic really put me in a place that was not pretty. And my daughter said, why aren't you doing something that makes you happy? And I said, well, dancing makes me happy, but I don't think I can do it anymore. And Facebook ads for the studio in Nisqua kept popping up adults only studio. And I thought, oh, I'm getting a sign here that I should at least give them a call. So I did. And I started with a private teacher first to see if I could even stay on my feet. And, uh, and that was more jazz stuff. And it was super fun. And then an intro to tap class came up and I thought, well, I haven't done that since I was 10 years old. Let's see, this sounds fun. So I've been doing jazz and tap there for almost two years now. And you stayed consistent with it? Yeah, it's good. It's good for my soul. And it's just, it's good for my body. I have not dropped the hundred pounds I thought would happen in a minute, but um, (laughs) you know, hope lingers. Oh my gosh. I just remember like doing the show, you were working so hard and then running up and down stairs for costume changes. Taking dance classes. I counted them. 1200? That's mm-hmm. for Hallelujah or is that for Lido? Hallelujah, Hollywood. Hallelujah. Yeah, so I think, oh yeah, because that's Bally's. Then somebody said they counted the stairs. And if you think per show, so you're doing two shows a night, that's a lot of stairs. I wish there were Apple Watches then to keep track of all my stuff. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that have been great? <laughs> we, we they... around, doing, doing the kick line, checking your, checking your steps. <laughs> that, that whole like swirl thing, all my things would have been met in one shot. And it would have gone off. <laughs> great. <laughs> and then you go out and eat at like two in the morning or something. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's like those days. And now it's like, oh, I can't have two desserts in one day. I have to actually like pay attention to what I eat. It's not fire. It's not fun. Not fun. I know I went out for a friend's birthday last night and we had bread and pasta and a cocktail and a glass of wine. And I stood on the scale this morning and died just a little bit, but it was a good night. So I'm not going to complain. Yeah. And it's like, there's a time you just got to live. You just have to have fun. So how was that when you got back into the studio, were you nervous to walk in or excited or what was it to like, feel your body move again? And did anything feel familiar? Things did feel familiar 
thankfully, um, I will say my, the teacher that agreed to take me on as a private, um, a young man in his mid thirties who used to dance with Disney was just delightful. And he was so encouraging. A, he didn't treat me like I was an old woman. It was more like we were contemporaries and he was just a cheerleader for anything I could do. Um, so that was great. So we spent a couple of classes trying to figure out what I could do. Here's what I can't do. Can't turn to the left more than twice because vertigo sets in and I might hit the floor and that would not be pretty. And that's yeah. from, you know, rocks in my head from a couple decades ago. It's just get vertigo now. It's great. Yeah. I love, I love the way head. the body ages. Um, but, you know, and I can't kick over my head, but I can kick to my waist. And um, there's other stuff that comes in and he loves burlesque stuff. So he loved the whole Vegas thing. And we got very trashy really fast. And that was fun. <laughs> You know, stuff moved and I could show him how to do a showgirl walk and um, we had fun. So, oh, yeah, so it, was, it was good. It was Were good you sore the time. next day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what Advil's for, right? Right. Oh my gosh. Because I, I was telling you, like I take from Jerry Tassin, mm-hmm. who was in Hello Hollywood. Hello. He's my age. He has two hip replacements. I have two hip replacements. And there's a few people maybe in their 30s, 40s, but most of us are 60s, 70s, and they're all dancers that were good dancers. So to be an adult, I don't want to go take the moms, this is your right foot, this is your left foot, how to do a chasse. And that's what's kind of adults, like you said, like you kind of get humored for being old. And this class feels so good. So when I think my leg is high, I go, I'm just going to believe, or maybe it doesn't matter. And there's (laughs) things that I can't do. But then there was something of hitting a releve because my feet have gotten really strong from doing gyrotonic, which I didn't know that was a benefit. That's and cool. that made me almost cry just to be on a releve and hold a ballet bar. Like it's that sensory of like how many years we did it and love it or hate it. It was like, my body knows this. And it felt like something really honoring of all the time spent that we did. It's not like, Oh, that's done. And you've lost it all. I don't know. It feels really good to know. It's still, it's in your fibers. It's in your, like you said, it's good for your soul. It's good for your soul. I know I'm uh, the fir- one of the first things we did, I don't know, arms, arms happened. And Chris just looked at me and said, Oh my God, you are a dancer. And I said, the arms don't, I, I can still do the arms. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that's, that's just great. And it's also, I, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I never saw anybody over 25 dancing. And in my head, it's like 30s old and you stop. And then, and then the shows, I mean, there was people in their mid thirties and then I worked with someone 30. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so old. I hope I can still dance when I'm 30. But the more people I saw, I'm like, why, why are we told that? And I think like Kim, who's one of Mm -hmm. your teachers and Megan, Megan's almost 50. Kim's in her sixties. We're still going. And I've got teachers in their fifties and sixties. And I think we're actually like, hopefully a role model for the younger ones, right? That it's not, we're not on a shelf, like a shelf life. Like this gives you life. And that doesn't mean you have to stop. I think a lot of it, like it, yeah. if you don't go professional, you're a senior, you get your senior solo and then like, and now go get a job and stop playing. <laughs> and we got to go play. We got to have the best dress up boxes and play and travel. It was so fun. There was some, when I, I was at the Lido first, when I first went down to Vegas and um, Carol, whose last name now I'm not going to remember, um, came in a, at a, as a vacation replacement when I did. And she had a stepson that she fixed me up with. She thought we would be good together. So I was dating her, her stepson and she had kids and it's what she could do. And that's how, you know, her husband worked, but that, 
this was the extra income the family needed. And I always remembered that. I thought, good Lord, she looks great. And, you know, it was, that was awesome. Then when I came back, Hallelujah Hollywood had a reunion, a 40 year reunion 10 years ago now. And um, in my little brain, my wee brain, when I went to Vegas at 19, I just assumed every, you know, everybody was 19 and we were just, it was just an even playing field. And I came to the reunion um, and I realized people were older than me in the show because they were older than me now. And it's it's just stupefyingly stupid. And I remember that, but I stood there and went, oh, she was our poster girl and she's in her seventies now. And this is people were older than me. Okay. And they were all talking about their body parts that had been replaced. And I smugly was thinking, Oh, I have all my original parts. And (laughs) four years later, both my knees got replaced. So, you know, the the part fell apart after a while, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting perspective to know that there were older. I mean, and older could be five years at that point, but um, yeah, there were folks definitely in their thirties in both shows. And I think, I had that same mindset. We were all the same. And there was one, Debbie Cat- Cladley, they called Cladley, Cladley, they called her grandma. But I think she was only in her 30s. But I think I thought we were all 19. And then, but I go, I think there, I mean, I'm sure there was a full spectrum of the ages, but I, I think I had the same thing. Like we're all, we're all 19. We're all just 19. Forever. Yeah. Out of school forever. Yeah. Um, so did you, did you grow up where you live now? Did, is this coming home where you are now? Is this where you grew up? It is not, I'm an army brat. So um, I lived in California till I, Northern California till I was 10. And then we were shipped off to Italy for three years. And I lived in Northern Italy for three years. And then my dad was sent to Washington state to Fort Lewis and that's where he retired. So I did high school in Vancouver, Washington, where my dance teacher, I, I, my plan was to be a superstar. I wanted to be Goldie Hawn, even though Goldie Hawn had the Goldie Hawn market. pretty well covered. <laughs> um, There had to be room for another one. And so, and I knew I could dance and I loved dancing. And so my dance teacher kind of did sounds like what your dance teacher did. Uh, although she didn't say tall, go down to Vegas. There was somebody else from the studio who was touring with a, a band and they were doing lounge show kind of stuff and they needed a placement. So I had enough money saved up to go down for a month and, you know, be a superstar. And I did, my mother thought I was crazy, but I went down and I met with those guys and I was too tall for those little lounge stages with a band and three little go-go-y dancers, you know, in the back, I was just going to be too tall. And one of the people sitting in the booth with me at one of the shows we were watching said, why haven't you tried the Lido? They want tall girls. I had never thought about it, heard about it, didn't know anything about that. But I put on my best fall, had my hair, my hair oh, and yeah. fall, um, and I kind of knew what curtain was. And I seriously went and knocked backstage, knocked at the backstage door, said, hi, are you looking for any dancers? And this lovely, adorable stage hand walked me to meet Fluff Laco, and I happened to time it when they were going to be auditioning for vacation replacements, like the next week when my money was going to run out. And I auditioned and got, got a job as a vacation replacement at the Lido at the Stardust. Wait, Fluff so, was at, at the Lido? Mm-hmm. I didn't know Fluff that. and Don and Bluebell were at the Lido. And then when they were opening MGM, they all moved over to MGM. And I was allowed to oh. audition. 
for Hallelujah Hollywood because I wasn't permanent cast. I was vacation replacement. So I was allowed to audition for Hallelujah Hollywood. Oh, gosh. Okay. I have so many questions. I also have a similarity because I think a lot of us tell this story that the naivete, which was charming. I didn't know you couldn't just, I went and saw the Lido show probably when you were in it, it was 79 into 79. Were you in it then? You're in like 73. Okay. I'm older than you. (laughs) We're all still 19. And I went and saw the show and I just walked backstage past, I don't even know if there was security back then. And I'm tall. So I probably had a lot of makeup on. So I might've looked like a dancer. Walked. First thing I did through the dressing room was walk into Siegfried and Roy's dressing room. (laughs) The door was open. They're standing there G-string. And I I said, I'd like to audition. I'd like to audition, please. And they sent me down to the dance captain. But I had, I had no idea that you can't do that. I know so many people that did that. And now I don't think a dancer would ever dream of just, knocking on the door or walking backstage like it's like in a movie I'm here to audition because now it's like video submissions but I think there's something I'm loving it's so charming of the naivete because if we'd known maybe we wouldn't have done half the stuff that we did if there was a protocol so what was it like when you first moved down there you know away from you've been traveling which is awesome because you had some you know you hadn't lived in the same home your whole life and then leave to right. go to Vegas, but to go down there and try to find your way in an apartment and figure out the Vegas lifestyle. What was that like at 19? Well, I thought I was incredibly sophisticated and awesome, but um, <laughs> I know I had a lot of angels around me who took care of me. I, I met, uh, I didn't know anybody from home that was there, but I had met some guys in a band that were the backup band for Johnny Tillotson. And um, they they were wise enough to know I was an idiot and they just, they took care of me. They made sure I didn't do anything too stupid. And really when, once you get on a show schedule, you're up super late and you're kind of sleeping and you eat and then you go to the theater. So it wasn't like my life was too crazy outside of that. So it wasn't terrible. I liked having my own apartment. Um, I never had a roommate. I, I was pretty independent about that. Um, I moved into the new Apple apartments, which didn't look all that fabulous when I went back for the reunion, but they were yeah. new at the time. And that was fun when I got into Hollywood. Um, and then quite a few of us lived in the same apartment complex. So that that was fun because we so were- you get a community? On each other, yeah. So you went into the Lido as a holiday replacement, mm-hmm. vacation replacement. Well, so how often were you, were you just kind of on standby? Did you know like the day of? Somebody was and- on vacation every week so okay it was really fun actually because even though it was the same choreography you'd have a different partner you'd have to swap sides or there was you know one jail break number maybe you were one of the girls that was breaking out of jail and maybe the next time you were somebody that wasn't up on the second level I got to fly in that show they had a an eight oriental number not a good word to use these days but that's what they called it then and they had butterflies and so I had big butterfly wings and I loved it when I got to fly and oh the stage gosh. hands were, you know, you don't drink a milkshake between shows. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm telling, I'm sharing more than I'm actually interviewing in some ways, but we had a, a space number and there was an astronaut couple that they were hooked up to fly. Mm-hmm. And I did it on my last show. Cause when you're, if somebody's replacing you, you can swing out somebody else. So I go, I want to fly. And then right. you see, which is probably what you said, the floors open up because there's a basement level and you see how high up you are. 
but there's a story and he keeps saying to the interview of someone that threw up in his space helmet uh, because that it started to shake a little bit and, and it sounded like it was unclipping. And so like, it sounds so lovely. And then I'm like, again, that naivete, like, let me fly. Don't tell me how this thing works, how I'm hanging in the air. So, but you got to move your arms and. and Yeah. You you know, those are big, whatever wings that you were flapping around and you really just kind of went side to side, like Peter Pan kind of, although even Peter Pan, as I've seen, they fly out into the audience and stuff, but yeah, that, that was very fun. That was a fun experience. Were you in a different dressing room also? Like every, every time you came in, because you're not like in your home base, like a lot of people there, or did you have your own spot in the dressing room? I had my own spot and I had, I had to use everybody else's costumes except one. There was one, a Marie Chevalier number and everyone had these very custom uh, chiffon dresses. And so that was the one dress they made for me um, when I was at the Lido. Cause that was too hard to swap between people. Yeah. So, so they've got, they've got swings that. and then a replacement. So, okay. Cause I'm yeah, gonna, I, wasn't I, a hired, I wasn't a hired swing. I was, I was when somebody went out on vacation. Okay. Did you, how long did you stay there? Um, well, I auditioned, I mean, Halloween Hollywood was happening pretty quickly at that point. So I was only in that show, I want to say six months. And then they started us rehearsing at the Grand, although the stage wasn't complete and there was kind of only so much we could do. We, we did start referring to the show as opening soon because the Otis people couldn't get the elevator right for the big pool with the mermaid and dolphin thing. And so we sat around the showroom a lot and everyone learned how to crochet. A lot of blankets were made during that (laughs) rehearsal period. Was this, was this the first show at the MGM Grand? Mm-hmm. That was they, okay. They were building the hotel. Yeah, it was they, built for that. Okay, because I was in Hello Hollywood, which right. that was new, new theater, new casino, and all the excitement. But ours was in the middle of nowhere. Like that just was like a monster in the middle of Reno because there's nothing. But the MGM is right on the in Vegas is right on the Strip. Right. Um, and so was it? It was okay. So it wasn't. It was built for that. So the elevators, all this is like. It was all big, big ones there. I don't know if any of the shows had that exquisite of a setup as far as how much fly elevators and. It was, it was gorgeous. The sets were just beautiful. And, um, you know, it was interesting watching that whole process just stage wise come together along with keeping dancers engaged and choreography in the, the leads and the singers and the lions we had you know we had the mgm lion that came down and Siegfried and roy were in the show Siegfried and roy was at the lido oh that's right there. and they moved to that was a I scandal think. i think that don took them over there I think them. They, yeah i think there was a little bit of that story so yeah i've only heard the closing wanted. yeah <laughs> there's so much drama around these stories but I think um, I've heard stories of the closing of Hallelujah Hollywood, but I've not heard the opening. I've heard the opening of Hello Hollywood and I've heard the opening of Jubilee. So I didn't really, because I actually saw that show because I moved to Vegas in 79. I worked at the flower shop at the MGM while I was auditioning and Fun. I would take flowers. Some of them is backstage, like girls, somebody would buy them flowers. Right. And again, I'm like, I don't think there's security. I would walk back there and stay longer than I was supposed to stay. <laughs> But I just remember looking at the costumes. I remember seeing that show and never have seen anything like that. I did see the Lido. I don't know. The, the Hallelujah had another level of glamour. Oh, the costumes were amazing. Bob Mackie and Ray Aguillon and Rhett Turner were unbelievable. And uh, some of us, I, 
several girls that were hired in LA did a lot of the costume fittings. A lot of the girls from Europe went and got costume fitted in at their place in LA. And we ended up having a long break at Christmas time. And so I went to LA and so I got to go in and get um, fitted at, at uh, Bob's place at Bob and Ray's. Uh, oh studio. my gosh. So that was fun. I know. I'm trying to, I almost have it secured an interview with Bob Mackey. I've been trying for three years and got a hold of his press agent and said, oh, he loves showgirls. And I told, I sent some pictures of people wearing some of Bob's designs exactly. and I would yeah. love to hear that. But so was Ray his, were they a team, his assistant? I think they were more a team. I think Ray did okay. an awful lot of the work and, and Rhett Turner was the one that worked with him that worked on like the Carol Burnett show and stuff too. Okay. But the whole, whole costuming studio was working on those costumes. How they awesome. Were amazing. Did you have it where they also traced your foot to make the shoes individually for you? I know they did it for Lido shows. I think Hello Hollywood. I, think I don't they remember if they did. Honestly, I went in for my costume fitting wanting to be, you know, in my best possible shape. So I didn't eat for a day and a half. And so I'm the one that passed out standing up with my arms out while they were. Um, so they ran and got me a Snickers bar. And so the rest of it is kind of a blackout. Oh my gosh. Teresa, who was also working with them, I ended up dating her nephew when I moved to LA. So the the costume world came into me in a in a whole different way, and she laughed about that a whole bunch. And um, so, uh, anyway, yeah, small world things are always interesting. Bob, I'm Bob. Um, Pete Menifee talks about doing costume fittings. He talks. He does a lot of um, Miss America and the different mm-hmm. pageants. And he said the girls will say they're a size less than they are because they think they're going to get there. He goes, just tell the truth because if it's too tight or you're starving yourself, like, but there is, yeah. And it's like, okay, I want to know. I have a little wiggle room at Christmas time instead of I've set myself up. This is kind of a personal, but did you have any, um, I would say damage around body image and weight? Cause I know for dancers, sometimes in shows where they weighed you, sometimes that came later in life and sometimes it's just growing up a dancer or was that, just your own, I want to be thin for the fitting or was that? Well, do you, do you look back? I mean, I look back at pictures of myself and think, what was I worrying about? You know, oh, absolutely. I was 10 and I think I weighed 128 pounds. I mean, I was, I look great. And yeah. I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the same kind of strain, I think in the past couple of decades that people have had around body dysmorphia. So no, I thought I looked fine. There were comments that were made, um, pretty openly to different dancers at different times during rehearsals about their thighs being too big or go get your teeth fixed or, you know, stuff like that, that I, I always thought were kind of unnecessary in a public place, but um, never, everybody was in really good shape for as much as we were, I mean, 1200 steps a day, a show. You'd have to work hard to be overweight. You were, yeah, you look pretty good at that point. Were those comments made by Don Arden? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Cause I've heard the, I, the oh gosh, like your face looks like a can of worms, flush yourself down the toilet. And I've heard in the creation of a show morning, Don is different after lunch and a few martinis or, or whatever, mm. he would get worse. But the stories that people tell about just being singled out on stage and having him. And I've heard Miss Bluebell kind of pinch someone like, Oh, you're putting a little on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she might've said it in a different way, but still it's like, mm-hmm. Oh crap. You can't hide in a G string. There's not like you could just wear baggy. No, pants there's not, and... You know? Yeah. The, yeah. 
those flesh colored mesh tights aren't going to hold you in. It's not like Spanx. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to just get them on. So I, I'm actually an easy bruiser. So that was how my mother could always find me because that's my daughter. She's the one with all the bruises on her leg. Oh like, I wasn't good about hiding it with makeup either. I'm surprised they didn't pull me off as a battered woman or something. Oh a my gosh. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. especially it's like you're nicer shaping it, but they don't hide. Anyway. Uh, so what, what was that like with, with being, the, you know, crocheting and waiting for things to come together? Like the rehearsal, what was like from when you guys started to when you opened, how long was that process? There's like learning choreography and then you get the sets and the costumes. Yeah, I, stuff. I think it was, I, I want to say it was a six month wait, but I'd have to actually go back and look at things. It felt like it was taking forever. Yeah. And you know, they were paying you. So you were going to sit in the showroom, um, whether they had anything for you to do or not. And sometimes they were hopeful and then something on the set would fall apart or didn't come in time. And so there was nothing else you could do, but yeah. The opening of the hotel was was really fun because it was so MGM movie centric. And that's the <clears> same time that like the That's Entertainment movies and all that stuff were being put together. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Dee Martin opened the hotel um, and then they had a beautiful movie theater and they just they had all all the MGM movie stuff was what really was a big deal so all those folks were coming through as well and then they came to a lot of the opening of the shows so my favorite opening of MGM story it wasn't too far in Ginger Rogers came to the show <gasps> oh my and gosh we were apoplectic and um and she was delightful and after the show I came out and I man I I, I sort of I ran into her and, and I was gushy I was you know total fangirl <sighs> you're just great. And we just love the pink fans and, and pretending to be you on stage. I said some stupid stuff and, <laughs> and she was delightful and just very complimentary of the whole show and how beautiful it was. Well, you know, back in that day, there's no cell phones. There's nobody to text. Who am I going to tell? It's three o'clock in the morning. And I need to tell somebody that I just met Ginger Rogers. So my poor mother, I woke her up. I dialed it, my little princess phone, dialed my mom's yeah. number. And she, of course, thought somebody died. Mom, mom, oh. Rogers, I mentioned to Rogers. And she goes, yeah, honey, that's great. Call, call me in the morning. <laughs> I know, you need to know this right now. Oh, my God. So yeah, so she's a dancer. Who around at up. Yeah. Oh, man. It was great. That part was I know great. that Gene Kelly opened Jubilee, and I feel like he was couple other openings and then like Sammy Davis Jr. came to ours and then uh, O'Connor Donald O'Connor so watching those movies it is like wait what did I call him Donald I called him the wrong name even though I was like looked up to him I just totally forgot his name but it's like to see them in front of you and then for them to say they love what you do it's just kind of like someone said that Gene Kelly was in the wings they didn't know who they didn't they couldn't really see him standing there who it was and said something about the tap number Oh, do you tap? He goes, yeah, I'm a bit of a hoofer. <laughs> like not knowing you're standing <laughs> right next to Gene Kelly. Because it's kind of like you're caught up in the stuff. And people said the celebrities in Vegas at that time, because it was still happening at the opening. Though. The celebrities were still, like if Dean Martin, I feel like it was kind of the Rat Pack, maybe were yeah. still doing their thing there. And that was a place and for big they did shows. They did shows after, long after hours for, um, for, the, for people in shows. So you know, I, that's how I saw, you know, I saw Frank Sinatra in a light booth. I got to take my mom to see Frank Sinatra. So I was her favorite child at that point. Oh my um, gosh. But 
uh, Sammy Davis and Eliza Minnelli did a thing together and invited everybody to come. They did like a three, four o'clock in the morning show for the kids on the strip. Um, did I, I saw Dean Martin too. I, they, everybody was so generous. It was just, it, it was just such a great time to be there. And that was all early and mid seventies. So yeah, you were there kind of when that big, the celebrity thing where then it kind of changed mm-hmm. to be about the, sh- the bigger shows. I don't think they were in as much. And then it, you know, and then it turned corporate and, but right. it is um, like, I've heard that about Sammy Davis Jr. I read his autobiography. Was it his autobiography or biography? I'm not sure. I can't remember if he wrote it or not, but he just, it, his life of knowing what he's gone through and just the racism, like that he could perform and then have, have not come in the front door or eat there. And so it's heartbreaking, but then to see, when he found show people, like how generous he was. I've heard that he would put on these shows late at night and wanted to hang out with show people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just generous and and spirit. And like that, you know, these celebrities can, and he's still there doing, you know, Wayne, Wayne's an institution. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what was the opening light was not like, was it a big deal? Was it, um, press or, anything else yeah. I mean there's so many there were so many shows at that time I feel like most of those, those... Yeah, we were the only one that was opening the Tropicana still had had their they had the Follies Stardust was still there with Lido so we were the new big show in town and yeah they did a great job bringing in a lot of press and I don't know at that point you know for I don't know about you going into a show now now finally the stage works and the costumes aren't falling off and the choreography has been set and, and, but you're still, you, you want to hit your marks. You don't, you, yeah. you don't want to be the last one in the red rock kick line. You need to get in there. And <laughs> so I think there was just a lot of concentration on our part to, to do it the way we knew it was supposed to be yeah. a little less. <clears throat> I mean, afterwards, you know, you might run into people or do things, but it was, it was great. It was really good fun. What was, I saw the show and I can't remember, because I remember seeing Jubilee and like the things, you know, you've got Samson, Delilah, the Titanic, but every Don Arden has a big epic, usually a disaster. We had Mac the, the San Francisco yeah. earthquake. What was, what was the show? Do you remember like kind of just the, cause there's kind of like sections in Don Arden show. Like you've got a whole section that you switch and go into something else. Yeah. <clears> the <throat> opening was um, Holly. It was the Hollywood blondes. So it was, um, it was blue and white feathers and the gals and the really drippy, the dancing nudes were the ones that had the really drippy Hollywood Marilyn Monroe wigs. And, and then we flipped that into the red rock number, which had these, everybody was in these red things with these helmets that were horrid. I still have nightmares about the helmets with all the feathers coming off the top. And you had, I mean, the first choreography was like trying to do a neck roll. I mean, we all would have been dead. You couldn't do it. So we figured out you had to kind of like squat, put your hands on your knees and move your whole body to make this helmet move. Um, yeah, nightmares about this helmet. Uh, Mac the Black was our big, um, which was a Gene Kelly movie. Um, oh, really? Was our big sinking ship and the crazy ladies and um, trying to think. Oh, we had Meet Me in St. Louis. That was adorable and sweet. I think I remember that one. Um to go pull the program up and look and see those are the costumes that and then the end was um very gershwin um and then fred and ginger so with the pink feathers did you get to do pink feather fans and do all yes and i've seen i've seen some pictures 
Wow. So that's interesting to have Ginger Rogers watching a Ginger Rogers section in there. I know that was we were in these beautiful beaded dresses with pink feathers coming off the bottom and the headdresses were kind of small with pink feathers and then the big pink feather fans and a little bit of partnering with that too. And um, it was fun. Because I did Hello Hollywood Hello and I think there might have been a few things that were similar, but we had a MGM movie section and they had this they had screens on like in these really cool frames that were showing Uh Fred and Ginger. I wonder how much was similar between those. We had a screen. They did one of the soloists. um, It was a Judy Garland thing. Um, You made me love you. Yeah. They they showed her on the screen and that, I think that ended up moving into Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, Yeah, they did. They did some big screen stuff and that was before even this technology that makes it so easy to do in concerts existed so right I feel that, you know for the 70s I thought they were pretty cutting edge on what they were able to display and then that clearly moved into other shows they did did you guys have a water feature because I think Don mm-hmm. Arden always had a water Mac the Black the boat comes down that was one of our, our holdups with elevators because they had this huge tank and a mermaid thing and so we had the mermaids swimming we had in that and so the ship would go down and the pool would come up and then you were underwater was it actually like somebody swimming or was it behind like it was real water was it like a, an act or was it somebody from the show it was an act okay yeah wow so there are disasters because i know like in hello hollywood like the rain trap sometimes twice opened and someone fell in we had a horse fall in Oh. Or, I mean, there was just without that much water, there, somebody said the rain trap didn't open, Hello Hollywood, and the waterfall came down, but it was over when it just splashed and their dancers were being yeah. like swished out to see, which was the audience. So, you know, a smaller show, not that much opportunity for disaster, but as big as Hallelujah Hollywood Jubilee and Hello Hollywood, which were Don's biggest creations, the more things that can go wrong, elevators don't always obey. Right. Uh, in the Lido, actually, I was I was there when the horse leapt off the stage into the audience. Um, that was a fun night. And the scrims wow. came down and kind of hoped you didn't get caught on the bottom of that. But wow. Yeah, because we had a horse in Hello Hollywood. I, I think yeah. there's been quite, now I'm doing more interviews, I'm finding there's more than one or two horse disasters. I, and there's no longer, you know, well, now the shows are gone. But stage. <laughs> we, we had a lion that peed all over the dancers. He turned backwards and the song was the most beautiful girl. And it's like posing down because they bat, they spray backwards. So I think it was two nights of, of that. And then Nimrod, I think it was a di- we had two different lines. So I'm wondering, I think the same thing, Hallelujah Hollywood is like, this is so great as a concept. And then in practicality, you've got animals that pee and poop. Um, maybe not the best combination with showgirls with expensive <laughs> yeah, big, big costumes. The lion that came down in the opening number for the MGM lion was on, I mean, came down on a, and sat on a platform and, you know, was on a leash. I don't remember ever seeing that lion backstage. I remember seeing Siegfried and Roy's tigers backstage. And I just tried to really give them a wide pass. <laughs> I yeah, didn't care yeah, yeah. how domesticated they were. Those they, they scared me. Um, I don't remember anything like that happening, but maybe I wasn't close enough to the animals to get in contact with whatever yeah. they were spraying. Well, and then one of the girls who worked at the Lido when Siegfried and Ray were there, it was probably when you were Samantha Sage. 
trying to make God, but she talked, talked about like the boa got loose twice. And so they're like trying to act calm. Like there's a boa somewhere in the theater. And they, she said they found it by the popcorn machine somewhere else on another floor because of the heat. And then, yeah, there's just the stories of the things that can go wrong. And yeah. we just are like, da, 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 put your costumes on, get on stage and hope the lion or the tiger doesn't have a bad day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How long did you do that show? I was in that show for, by the time they opened, I guess a year and a half. And then I moved to LA to pursue being a superstar. And, you know, you can see how well that's worked out. Here I am. <laughs> Goldie Hawn's still holding on to that title. Goldie Hawn's doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> When she's gone, you're like, okay, now it's my turn. Did you feel it was just time to be done? Like, did you like the Vegas lifestyle or was it this to do the next step? I need to go to LA. Yeah, I, w- I was ready to, to move on. It was a great experience. And I, I learned a lot and I met a lot of really great people. Um, and a lot of them are really based in LA. I hung out a lot with Ann Margaret's um, dancers and singers. Yeah. So when she was in town, I was hanging out with those guys and, and they all had connections in LA. So it was like, Oh, that's, that's my next stop. So. Um, Makes sense. I, uh, well, I remember I, like in Reno, there was so many of those acts. Like we had um, Debbie Reynolds had a sh- like a lot, like, few, like maybe four or five months. So they were not just there for a weekend. She right. had the amazing male dancers. I think Juliet Prowse. So I've heard, I think Vegas and Reno, maybe they switched it back and forth. I remember taking class from these people that like we're in town, we're going to teach. And they were like, they were I that mean, really yeah. wonderful, uh, the Vegas show biz and the LA, which, which always new and changing and, and cool. And then music videos were starting to happen at the end of my time doing those shows. And, but it was like, you know, LA is great for training, but a lot of those LA people ended up in Reno and Vegas taking right. those jobs. Well, and a lot of people were tall. Turn- you were tall. I mean, trying to do TV, I was always too tall for stuff unless they were doing a Vegas takeoff because they didn't want dancers to be taller than the stars. And, yeah. um, you know, spoiler alert, most of these male stars are like five foot eight. So, um, you know, we're in heels. In heels, we're six three, six two. Um, so, is the show Vegas happening then? Because I talked to Alana, who's, I think she's six foot. She's a picture with Robert Urich, who was super, super tall. So she's got her heels and her headdress and he is eye to eye with her. But I think that's like very few. Like, of course, if he was five foot eight, they wouldn't have a Vegas show unless they were tiny showgirls next to him. So what was the LA experience like? Because you have left something, you know, that's, again, I got a long contract. I was young and stupid, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But thanks to friends, I, um, I got an agent. I did a Burger King commercial. I, I still get, I get, got under five kind of things. I still get residuals from the facts of life. Apparently my three lines on the facts of life garner me. My last residual was a good $16 and 23 cents. So you know, <laughs> um, I'm wow. amazed SAG and AFTRA can find me. Um, <laughs> I, it, it was, it was good. I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and I was involved with a theater company there, which LA is not known for theater. Although then anyway, yeah. I think better now as everybody kind of crosses genres, but it was fun. I wasn't as good as I thought I was, but, and then I got married and then I had kids and I became creative in a different way. And it was, I always feel like I've done creative things and, yeah. um, and that's good. So and now I'm back to dancing. So full circle moments. It's, I it's, love that. It's, it's been great. Did you 
lose contact with people because if you went to LA, there was maybe a way to be in contact. But I think without social media, I would write letters and you only knew their parents' address and then people move. And so right. with Facebook came on and someone tagged me in a picture, is this Sherry Pennington? I'm like, what is this? I didn't know there were the groups and then the reunions. Have you gone to any reunions or reconnected now with social media to find people that you had, I mean, yeah, decades well, going between? Kathy Kroll and I um, stayed friends in Los Angeles, but I will say, I, I know uh, it, it's hard. It's just hard in life when you're in a stage. So I'm in a stage where I'm having babies and young children and doing preschool and kind of your world revolves around that. So unless you're running into folks all the time, you know, being in touch might mean seeing each other for lunch twice a year, but that was, that was fine. And we're yeah. probably more in touch now because she's on Facebook every day. So <laughs> I can keep in touch with her. Um, Facebook was a game changer. Pictures popped up, people popped up that I hadn't heard or seen from in a long time. I went to the Hallelujah Hollywood uh, 40th reunion and it was held in the showroom. Jubilee hadn't closed yet. And some of the original wait staff that had been there that whole time was even at the party. And I saw folks and I just kind of, I, I didn't think anybody would remember me, quite honestly. I didn't feel like I was there that long or, you know, but they did. And that was delightful. And I remembered them and that was delightful. And then some people, there was one, I, look, I looked for a couple people specifically and I remembered them in their 19 year old self and they look different now. It's like, I'm trying to find her. I just, I had the best times with her and they went, she's right over there. I'm like, okay, I've spent the whole night and I didn't get to talk to her. So um, yeah, craziness, but it, it was a fun reunion. And it was, that was the first time I went back to Vegas. I hadn't been there in the entire oh, yeah. time. I moved to LA and I never went back. Um, yeah. So well, it, I, this kind of makes to be me in touch to, in whatever way we can. It's yeah. Really and it's like, we're all finding each other mm-hmm. because I know like, um, when I looked you up, I was looking at what shows you had done and then you put the name of the show and in parentheses, you said you, as a dancer and then in, in parentheses, not a show girl. And I asked you if that's okay. To, so can you, cause that would lead me to my next question. Can you okay. share why you put that on there? Because a lot of people have different reasons for not wanting to call themselves a show girl. And the confusion of what a what a show yeah, what a showgirl is. is yeah the the difference I felt at the time was who was covered and who was not or who had real more specific choreography and who did not um, and then as my children I have two boys and a daughter um, I never talked about it a whole bunch but I never hid the fact that I did that stuff so. Mm. I, you know, we've got pictures around and things. The the boys, middle school boys are an exciting bunch of gentlemen, aren't they? <laughs> um, and I, I heard some things were being talked about with, about who I was. And, um, and I just laughed and my boys played football and there, it was a football dinner. And I remember these guys, go, oh, you know, Kath Fisher, Kath Fisher used to be, uh, she was, she was a showgirl in Vegas. And I said, gentlemen, I did not pole dance. I was not a stripper. Um, and I was covered and I was a dancer. And so I felt like even then, not that long ago, even then a distinction had to be made because and I don't think any showgirls or strippers or hookers or anything right. else, but it is amazing what goes into people's brains and the connotation they take to it. So back yeah. in the day, dancers were covered. Um, 
I know we had dancing nudes as well. I remember my top came off once and I ran off stage because I wasn't getting paid extra. So <laughs> you $25 for each one. I, tw- I think it was 50 a week for us. Well, no, it was 25 each boob. It was 50 Oh, each total. boob. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, I've only been 25 of them. Um, yeah, I've only showed one. Well, yeah. it's interesting. I never thought how- it was a, go ahead. Well, I, I know it even changed because I'm thinking like there's a great movie is uh, Judy Dench. It's called The Mill, which I think I'm not sure if it's the Moulin Rouge, but how as long as they didn't move, they could be topless. And it was so like in the 1800s. It was very scandalous. Mm-hmm. And then if they moved, it was like they could shut the place down. And then showgirls were mannequins that were way taller and, and only walked. And then it started to change. And then hello, Hollywood. Hello. The tall nudes and the bluebells danced as much because there was top hat which everybody wanted to be in so it started to change and then when I went to Paris there was no one dance more so right. I would not I would never I didn't know the showgirl I just knew I did I know didn't tell people it was all tall nude because I think they thought we were just totally naked like no it was just topless um but it, it was like I just didn't want to have people think I didn't dance but I would not right. have known I was a showgirl and now I teach showgirl classes gladly to talk yes, to, to kind of help talk about what it is but I went to my class reunion, I think it was my 20th. And there was one, one girl I didn't ever really liked anyway. She's always mean. She was drunk in the bathroom and, you know, we all come out of the stall or washing hands. She goes, so I hear you've been dancing naked on party boats. And I went, well, I was on a cruise ship and I was not naked. And I, I pulled it together. I came out, my face was bright red. My husband goes, what happened? He goes, where is she? <laughs> and he was going to go tell, tell her off or something. But it was just that weird thing of like the rumors that I heard that I was in Vegas mm-hmm. and somebody knew I was topless and, uh, you know, all that. And I was a very good girl in high school. So it was kind of like this fun news in a small town that circulates. And so, yeah, it's hard because like now I don't give a damn of what anybody right. thinks. And I have pictures of me topless that my daughter saw. She goes, mom, this is beautiful. And it's in a Pete Menifee costume. So, I mean, it's just like oh, gorgeous. Okay. Yeah. But it is, it is that before I wanted to hide it. And I also, I didn't pay attention to what was happening in Vegas. I didn't know. And then when the reunions happened, I went, uh, I went to the closing of Jubilee or the week before with a friend of mine. And I went, oh, these are going away. And I want, I just I had this huge urge to go to Paris and see the Moulin Rouge and the Lido because I just wanted to know they were still there. Right. I had no interest in it all that time. And on my resume, I probably would have just said dancer. I wouldn't have put those because afraid of what people would think. I think, yeah. And I went to those reunions and saw everybody. And now, and then I was like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea how amazing it, it was, who Miss Bluebell was, who Don Arden was. I know. And so it's kind of a retrospective, uh, a retroactive gratitude that I feel. And we'll share about it. I've got young dancers now that, that like to hear this. They listen to the podcast. They'll take my showgirl classes. And they say, it's this whole thing of being feminine without being sexualized. And I go, when in our life do we get to be beautiful without it being sexualized or you're there for someone's consumption or they think they can grab you. So I go, I felt the most beautiful and protected and emboldened, I think in that stage. And I go, you could be in a bar and have somebody think they could just grab your butt. But I I know I feel like, I feel like reclaiming that of what it felt like to be on the stage and be like all glamorous and not be like sexualized. Yeah, it was, it, it, they were classy, classy shows and um, everyone looked beautiful. And the, and the topless stuff really kind of disappears because it's just all part of the costume. Um, 
and your and bodies are beautiful. I think I think the European cast members have a much healthier attitude toward nudity and yeah. all of that than than Americans anyway. So you know, you and I grew up in a in a time and an era when that was scandalous, and we were you know we were taking risks if you yeah. show body parts. But I think people are healthier about their bodies. I hope people are healthier about their bodies now. Yeah, we have um, new ways to screw up, screw up <laughs> to the bodies. Yeah, but I do feel like there is something of teaching that of of how to just be in your body and not. Because I'll have them do like eight walks and then eight to stand there with a bevel. People squirm. I go to hold still because I think it was uh, I can't think of her name right now. When someone asked what a showgirl is, because it's the ability to hold still. Because as like dancers who are so used to like, I got to, if I'm holding still, I got to do 18 or they'll grab their boobs. Like, oh, you don't get to grab your boobs or, or hump the floor. Can you hold still for eight counts? And you watch people squirm. They go, this is hard Mm -hmm. because it's like, well, I want to be seen. Well, no, that's not seen. (laughs) So there's something of kind of teaching that like you're enough just standing there, which is opposite. I think of the way dancers are now it's like, get busy. Why are you not doing the splits and the triple You're moving all the time? I swear. I bet 10, 15 years ago, watching dancing shows. I was like, I could never, I could never make a living at this now. I could oh, never yeah. do stuff they're doing. Um, and yeah, dance styles have certainly changed, but that is, that was a special time and we were really fortunate to be part of it. Yeah. So I, for one thing, you live close. I, it's, we have to, if you're okay with this, I would love to get together. Cause there's like bluebells within 20 totally. minutes. Like, okay, we might need to have a, <laughs> a get together. We um, could do that. Well, so, and then they're going to, and who's the person you're looking for? Cause maybe this will help get that out. Darlene there. Strange. Darlene, Darlene Strange was the name I knew her. Uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe someone will know that we got Kevin Cashmore here and Michelle Brown, who was a, at the Lido as a principal for years. She's an hour, the other direction. There's another bluebell Anne, who's one of my best friends. She was in Jubilee. She's like, there's a, more of us here than I knew. So we need to have a party. We, yeah, we do a little, cause they do it in Vegas all the time. We'll do our, our Washington get together. Seattle, we'll do this space needle gathering. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We'll do, we'll take pictures and how fancy are we? So the, the saying that Lindsay did for the reunion was once a bluebell, always a bluebell. And now I'm starting to feel that more. It's like, no, I'm retired. You know, I'm not, a, it's like, no, it's always in there. And like, when the Lido closed, you know, that, that just because you're not on the stage doesn't mean you're not a bluebell anymore. And the, to say they're the last of bluebells, like as long as we're living, the bluebells are still alive. There's still right. the stories told. So when you think of those, that time in your life, because you didn't do it forever and ever, but you went on and continued in entertainment other ways. Is there anything that you feel like stayed with you into that part of your career? And even just now as you're showing up in a dance class or just life posture? <laughs> posture yeah I, you know what there it it does infuse you with a sense of confidence that shows up in a whole variety of ways I taught preschool for a while and every one of my preschool classes learned a kick line really um, yeah oh why not they can oh step my gosh. And, and they needed to know that that was a life lesson um I'm, I've done my latest job is I'm a youth and family ministry person. And a lot of the kids that have wandered through my program at church have all been very artistic. And it has been really fun to hang out with those theater kids and band kids and kids who 
love a creative outlet and I can, I can bring something to the table with that because oh I have a background in that. Yeah. Um, and it is, and that's accepting and it's fun. And yeah, your pot definitely coming back to class has really helped me realize that um, all is not lost in the body either. Oh, so oh. I can still, um, you know, look, look a little more tree trunky. Oh, hi puppy. Um, but <laughs> But, you know, I can hit the pose and I can, uh, yeah, you have confidence in how you walk and who you are and, and who you're around. And I'm really proud of the fact I did it um, and that it was part of who I, who I am. And the pictures are up and the grandkids can see them. And, um, oh, I love that. There's no, there's no, really fun. Um, I thought it was done, but I wanted to, because I just, I'm choreographing a musical for the high school mm-hmm. and their work is hard after COVID of having none of that expression it was really hard and then we were rehearsal there was an announcement that the school district shoreline the budget was way under and that the Not things that they were thinking of taking away was um after school product. and so i'm watching these kids start crying and so my dog is like it's probably amazon delivery <laughs> the dog is doing his job as the as the guard but the I was going to go speak on their behalf of what I see and I didn't need to speak because those kids got up there and used their voice about this is the only place I feel myself at school. So it was band, drama, choir, DECA, like the Korean group that the, they get all the different culture, like they have a place. And so I, they each had two minutes and I, it went on for four hours and I stayed almost to the end of why the arts matter, like how, you know, like if you're LGBTQ, you have a place where you can be you, you know, but drama brings out, it was really beautiful. So the next day at rehearsal, I cried telling how proud I was. And I go, I have a podcast and I talked to these, these performers that did it a short time. If you look at your whole timeline, this is just a tiny little dot. I said, but one of the things they say is I wish I'd been more present or I wish I had felt like, so what you're doing now, like when you're on stage, look at that person next to you that you only have this experience once. You're never going to perform this show this way again and so yeah. it just made me think of like all of us telling our stories of it really was great and for these kids like you know for dancers I can't say go to Vegas or do that but there's other things but it is like the time that we live that we have these opportunities to do these things yep. and then I love that you're bringing it you know that that if it's theater that there's there's a place that like this is unique you are wired differently you have different gifts you need a different community and yeah and I, I love supporting them. And I love, um, I love that I did it. And I love that I had the opportunity to do it, even though I was a total idiot. And how I got my first job. Um, it was, it, it was, it happened. And it was great. This is to the idiots everywhere. Everyone I've interviewed, like, <laughs> the guys like, I didn't know I had to have a dance belt. I had my Spider-Man underwear on, or none of us were dressed right for the audition or no, we didn't know we just can't walk backstage or to the stage right. door. I'm like, bless our idiocracy because it got us brave enough to do things that a lot of people would say no that's scary we're like here I am got my got my heels and my fishnets I'm ready to go that's right got my best fall on and I'm blind ah the fall you were on it I remember magic hair (laughs) Kathy this is wonderful um I'm excited to post pictures of uh that you'll send me a view in the show and that will like pique some interest because I don't have that much from Hollywood pictures and I don't, and then Lido, the, I think I have all Lido pictures, but I don't have much else. So any costume stuff that. Periscope, so. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Those would be fun photos to see. So take care of yourself until we get together. Maybe I'll join you for a dance class over there.
And we'll kick waist be. high and they'll be amazed and dazzled. They'll be amazed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Saturday Night Live, right? I'm I, 50, can I can kick. I can kick. And I can stretch and I can kick. <laughs> Yeah, I do that all the time, sadly, in front of a lot of people that day. As you should, as you should. We can't take it all too serious. Okay, well, thank you, my friend. It was really, really good that we finally got to connect. Finally, yay. Best to you. And this isn't the last. Okay, bye.